Well, good morning. Boy, thank you so much for being here today, and, and thank you for those of you that uh, stayed home as well and are watching in this morning. Uh, we appreciate it. It's been fun to, to meet some folks that are uh, typically at other churches uh, during this hour who came to join us. We are so glad that you're here as well. Uh, let, let me mention, instead of those connection cards, uh, we're, we're not passing the plates, so don't put in the plate. The plate's not going to be passed. You know, we'll be putting in there. But if you would, you put, put at the plates that are at the exits, uh, along with your offering too, by the way. Um, uh, but anyway, those, we, we will not be passing the plates, but they will be at the exit for those purposes. Uh, so we would love, again, to know about your, your presence here today. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesse and the uh, worship team, tech team. Thank you guys for um, being here and leading us in such a, a wonderful, wonderful time of worship, uh, particularly at a time such as this. Thank you so very much, you guys. I, I thought we would take a few minutes uh, before I begin the sermon uh, today to um, essentially do what I call recalibrating our hearts. <laughs> uh, I don't about, know about you, but I, I find it uh, that as, as we go through a time like this, that there can be this sort of foreboding spirit that starts to just weigh heavy on everybody. Does anybody else begin to feel like that sometimes? And, uh, and that means that we should take an opportunity like this, again, to do what I would call recalibrating our hearts, uh, to take some, just some quiet moments uh, to do so, to take some quiet moments to realize that, you know, this is not, none of this is catching God by surprise, right? Uh, he, he is not up in heaven biting his nails, wondering what in the world is going to happen, what he's going to do next. Um, it's a very serious situation, and we want to do all that we can to protect uh, the most vulnerable that are in our community during this time. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it's not the bubonic plague. It's, it's not the end of the world uh, that's upon us. Uh, but again, a very, very, I'm not downplaying the situation. It's a very, very serious situation. But again, we, we have to stop and realize that it, it is definitely not the end of the world. At some point, this will pass. Uh, we will get a hold of this. Uh, there will be a vaccine that will eventually come out. We're going to pray about that here in just a few moments. Uh, but, but let's keep it all in perspective. Um, let the Lord fill you with his spirit in these next few moments that we're going to take. Uh, remember what another name of the Holy Spirit is in Scripture. Remember what, he, what he's called? The Comforter. The Comforter. So let the Spirit minister to your hearts this morning. Let him bring you his comfort. Let him remind you who you are. That you are his child. And let him remind you who he is. He is almighty, all-powerful God creator of this universe. As we used to sing when we were little children, remember that song, he's got the whole world in his hands? And he still does, doesn't he? He still does. Uh, let's, in fact, let's just take the time right now. We'll talk some more here in just a moment. But as we join together with, I'm assuming, millions across our country this morning in this uh, declared national day of prayer, uh, let's, let's do that. If you would, let's quiet our hearts uh, let's bow, and, or feel free to even kneel there in the pew if you'd like to. But, but let, me, let me guide us. I'm going to read some scripture first and then just guide us in a prayer time for a few moments. <clears throat> Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. He says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So as we join our hearts in prayer, first of all, let me ask you to pray for the protection of the most vulnerable, not only in our congregation, but in our community. <clears throat> Pray for our healthcare workers. Pray for their strength and for their wellness. Our doctors, our nurses, others. Pray for first responders, for their strength and wellness. Pray for unity and cooperation among nations. That there'll be no more finger pointing, but there'll be a spirit of unity that will develop, that will serve all mankind on this earth. Pray that there will come an end to this virus sooner than later. That there will be a, an expansion of testing availability. That there will be the, the discovery of a vaccine sooner than later and widespread availability facilitated. Pray that God will turn this somehow for ultimate good, even for revival. That as an openness develops in hearts for spiritual matters that would not normally take place, that God's people will stand ready to speak into that gap, to speak into that emptiness, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray that we as a nation 
will put into application 2 Chronicles 7.14, which says, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, that then He will hear. He will forgive. And He will heal. So, Lord, continue to quiet our hearts and fill us with your perfect love that drives out fear, with your wisdom that brings calm, that brings calm and peace not only to us personally, but to others as well. Help us as your people to make that more contagious than fear. Ask God to make you aware of the needs of those closest around you. Neighbors, co-workers, friends, acquaintances. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say uh, one or two more things before I begin the message this morning, and we're going to go a little bit long, I'm sorry, but uh, um, uh, please know that we want to serve you uh, with love and wisdom as well during this time, and one of the initiatives that we are taking, if you'll help spread the word about this, is that and we've, we've sent out an email this week to those that are uh, 65 and older in the life of our church. We want to address not only those, but also any others that might be physically vulnerable for other health reasons, that sort of thing, that if it uh, indeed gets to the point where they are saying, please don't get out into public places like grocery stores or pharmacies, uh, we want to help uh, make delivery service available, uh, delivery of groceries, delivery of groceries and household items, delivery of pharmacy supplies and medicines. And so if you know of someone who does not have a natural support network that's uh, with them in the city, uh, please let us know. Please encourage them to get in touch with us and to let us know that their need. Uh, also, uh, those of you that would be uh, willing to help uh, with that delivery process, this will probably be a weekly uh, event, not, not a daily thing, but a weekly thing, uh, and, and, and also in cases of, of emergency. But if you'd be willing to help with that process, please do let us know. Uh, very, very much. Uh, also, l let me encourage you that uh, stay tuned. Uh, this week, we'll be, I, we went back and forth uh, about 10 times yesterday as to whether or not we should meet this morning or not and decided to, to go forward with it. 
Uh, we want to march forward with uh, fearlessly and, and with truth, but we don't want to march forward and help spread the virus, right? And so uh, we want to be wise in those decisions. Uh, so stay tuned this week as to whether or not we will uh, continue to do so uh, over these next couple of weeks. Um, we'll be making that decision uh, later on this week. So, so please stay tuned uh, to that as well. Uh, let me encourage you, those of you who are life group leaders, who are part of life groups, uh, one thing to consider during this time would be to uh, meet in homes uh, instead of gathering together here at the church. Uh, divide up into smaller groups and meet in home. Now, I realize not everybody's going to be comfortable with doing that, uh, but for those who are, uh, feel free to, to divide your life group up into, life, into small life groups and uh, assign homes or get volunteers to provide their home uh, for those home meetings. Uh, that could be a very exciting thing. Well, I, I'm convinced that God is going to take this thing uh, and use it to do some amazing things in the life of His church uh, during this period of time. Uh, that, that otherwise uh, may not have happened. And so, uh, again, please, be, please stay tuned and, uh, and be thinking of creative ways that you can minister and help make a difference in people's lives. Uh, if we do the home groups, uh, that's a tremendous opportunity for outreach. There may be somebody that you can invite, hey, come and, and join us in so-and-so's home that's just right down the street uh, for, this, uh, for a home group meeting. Uh, life group leaders, uh, you are able to actually teach your life group lesson through Facebook Live, Facebook Live video. If you need help figuring that out, which I, I did, first time I ever did that, first couple times I ever did that. Um, but uh, we, we'd be glad to help do so, and, and that can be a, a fun process. You can still get your, your lesson uh, out and uh, provide discussion questions, so on and so forth. So uh, please be thinking about that, praying about that as well. Uh, if you're not currently in a life group and you would like to join one of those groups, uh, just let us know in the office, and we can help figure that out for you. We'll turn to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, uh, this morning, as we continue our walk through the gospel of Mark. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed, in fact, I, I find it really pretty fascinating that in God's Word, there are just about as many stories of messes as there are successes, in fact, so many stories about the same individuals, a success and a mess. Uh, people like Noah, success and a mess. People like Abraham, success and mess. People like Moses, success and mess. People like David, success and mess. And we could go on and on and on. There's so many in the Old Testament, but there are also a good number in the New Testament. And one of the most famous, most well-known messes is the story that we're going to be looking at closely this morning. Uh, how many of you can still remember the first time you dissected a frog in biology class? Remember that? Remember that? Uh, I, I can remember that as well. In fact, I took a picture of the one I dissected. Here's, here's the one I dissected. There you go. Poor Kermit, right? Poor Kermit. <laughs> um, I'm just teasing. I really didn't dissect Kermit, I, I promise. <laughs> well, this morning we're going to do a dissection, of a, not of a frog, <laughs> but we're going to do a dissection of a failure, of Peter's failure. Simon Peter is the most well-known failure in all of Scripture, his denial of ever even knowing the Lord Jesus Christ three different times. 
So look with me at Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 27. Just a reminder of, of where we are. Remember last week when we studied the, the Lord's, the, the, what we call the Lord's Supper? It was the, the meal that they had together in that last night in the upper room. Uh, they have now left the upper room and are headed to the, the Mount of Olives. And that's when Jesus says to his disciples, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter declared, if, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And of course, all the others said the same. Well, as we begin this dissection, uh, as you take out your scalpels, uh, a little cheesy, I know, but roll with it, all right? Um, the first thing that's obvious is that Peter terribly, terribly overestimated himself. Did he not? Terribly overestimated himself. I mean, it was bad enough that he made this rash claim about himself, but then he compounded the matter by claiming that, that, that you know, everybody else may fall away, but, but not him, not him. And then notice Jesus immediately tried to help him to come to his senses, tried to stab him awake, if you will, saying, Peter, this is going to happen sooner than you think. You don't realize it. I mean, this is upon you. You're going to deny you even know me three times. But then what does he do? He, Peter does it again. No, Peter said, I, I'll die before I ever do that. I will never deny you. As we have seen multiple times in Mark's gospel, Peter had this instinctive gift of opening his mouth and inserting both feet and still thinking he could somehow still walk, right? <laughs> Don't misunderstand, though. Uh, this is not a lack of sincerity on Peter's part, is it? I mean, he was very sincere, just that he was sincerely wrong. <laughs> his problem was not sincerity. His problem was really two words that end with ants, <laughs> In with ants, ignorance and arrogance, right? Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You see, the very moment that you start to think, oh, I would never do that, is the very moment that you are headed for trouble. Pride says, I can handle this, I can do this. As I was preparing this message, I was remembering back to when I was in seminary, <clears throat> a young man who was a very gifted Bible teacher. He had just finished leading us in a Bible study, and, uh, and it, it recently finished seminary, and, and as we were kind of gathered together, um, uh, eating some, some fellowship food, uh, I, we, we continuing to chat about, you know, the struggles that we're having in, in college, you know, the, the typical uh, talk about struggle among guys, with, I don't know what, the opposite sex. And, uh, and I'll never forget this young man who just led us in the Bible study said to us, he said, guys, he said, I, I, you know, I, I, just, I just don't have a problem with that. You know, I'll, I'll, I just don't get, I just, I just, no struggle for me. Well, guess what? Guess what? He did have a problem with that. Took about 10 years for it to come out, but he had a severe problem with that. Again, in fact, I've heard it said, when I try, I fail. When I trust, he succeeds. When we choose to operate exclusively in our own flesh, in our own strength, in our own power, thinking I have got this together, 
we rarely succeed. And it doesn't matter how old you get to, you, you become in Christ, how old you grow in your, in your walk, in your relationship with Christ, you are never not susceptible. The moment you begin to think you've got this thing licked is the moment that you better start to watch out. There's only one in whom we can place our absolute confidence, and that's the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's taken each day. Each day, one step at a time, by means of his strength and his guidance. And the more we, we grow, the more we deepen our relationship with Christ, the more we come to understand the significance of those words that he spoke in John 15, 5, when he said, apart from me, what? You can do nothing. Nothing. Well, Peter learned this lesson well, actually. <laughs> He writes and he goes on to write two letters in the in the New Testament in First Peter chapter five verse five. He writes, "All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time." What does it mean to clothe yourself with humility? It means on a day-by-day basis to absolutely depend upon Him. Depend upon Him. It's living daily. Living daily, whether it's in regard to Peter or anybody else that's fallen, with the kind of attitude that says, there but for the grace of God go I. Humble. Well, let's continue. Verse 32. They They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Now, we're going to talk more about Peter in just a moment, but let's, let's not overlook what's taking place in the heart and mind of our Lord Jesus at this point. I mean, the disciples had never seen Jesus at such a point of deep, deep personal need. Verse 35, going a little farther, he, that is Jesus, fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but but what you will. I mean, Christ's agony is so great that he literally falls to the ground. I mean, prone, face in, the, face in the dirt as he prays, which is in stark contrast. I don't know about you, if you grew up in church, I remember a painting that hung on the wall of our church somewhere um, uh, of, the, uh, of Jesus in the, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, which uh, this event, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, kneeling by a stone, his face turned up toward heaven with a look of great serenity upon it. That is not the way it was, not at all the way it was. Christ knew what awaited him at the cross. He was in absolute, total agony. Abba, he says. That word means daddy. He's saying, daddy, he pleads with his daddy. Daddy, daddy, please take this cup away from me. But then, incredibly, what does he do? He submits. He humbles himself. To the Father, he humbles himself in obedience to the cross. Verse 37, then Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, 
Are, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. What could they say, right, at that point? As we dissect this part of Peter's failure, it's pretty clear what we're looking at, is it not? Peter failed to watch and pray. Jesus' words in verse 37, it's really an emphatic expression. He's essentially saying, Peter, are you asleep? I mean, you're the last person on this planet who ought to be sleeping right now. Don't you know what's, what, what trouble you're in, what danger you're in? And then he adds that statement again, couldn't you stay awake and watch with me just one hour? Just one hour. I heard about a church that actually thought about inscribing that verse over the entry to the sanctuary. <laughs> Could you not watch for just one hour? <laughs> well, make note here of the connection to the previous section. Whenever you overestimate yourself, you will always pray too little, right? I mean, that only makes sense. I mean, if you're thinking, hey, I've got this together, then you're thinking, I, I don't need God with this. I don't need God. I, I've, I've, got, I've, I've got a hold of this. I've got a handle on this. You know, then why pray? When we pray, we are acknowledging to God that we cannot handle it, that we need it. Watch and pray, Peter. We should watch and pray. Three times Jesus pleads with Peter and, and the others. Jesus is frightened for his friends because he realizes they don't appreciate the danger that they're facing. During this virus crisis, we need to be vigilant. We need to watch and pray. But we simply cannot allow fear to be our focus. We have got to watch and pray. We, we need to recalibrate our hearts, not just on Sunday mornings, but we need to recalibrate our hearts each and every day, perhaps probably many times a day in this process, through prayer, through a daily declaration of our humble dependence upon God. Next verse, verse 41. Returning the third time. He said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So there in the garden, you perhaps remember the scene, Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. Jesus is arrested. He's taken away just as he had predicted. All his disciples run away. Every one of them deserts their Lord. Now look at verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and there he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. Now Peter makes another crucial mistake here. Does he? Actually, he makes several mistakes here. For one, he puts distance between himself and Jesus. Number two, he puts distance between himself and his fellow disciples. 
But we would also notice that his fellow disciples knew that he was not with them, and yet they failed to come after him. In addition to all that, Peter just plopped himself right down among the enemies of Christ at a time when he was completely unprepared to deal with the pressure that was about to come his way. Friends, please know, if you are putting distance between yourself and Jesus, you're setting yourself up for a fall. If you're putting distance between yourself and your fellow believers in Christ, you're setting yourself up for a fall. The spiritual embers of your heart, if you, if you will, grow cold when you do that. And let me say this, as you reflect on, on the failure of the other disciples to come after Peter, if you know of someone who is dis- distancing themselves from fellowship and most likely also distancing themselves from Jesus, let that be a red flag warning. Go after them. Pursue them. Find out what's going on. Find out what's taking place. Well, inside the high priest's home, Jesus was being subjected to essentially a railroad drop job of these mockeries of trials by some of the religious leaders. In verse 55, we read, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not, their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave, his, and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days we'll build another not made with human hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree, Mark writes. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him. struck him with their fist and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. While all this is going on, Peter is there warming himself by the fire in the courtyard. And as we take our scalpel to this little section, we discover one more thing that was a failure on the part of Peter. You see, he had severely overestimated himself, but now he has severely underestimated his enemy. See, Peter was involved in in spiritual warfare. This was a spiritual war that was going on, a spiritual war that was taking place. He failed to realize this. And friends, I hope we don't fail to do the same. We also are engaged in a spiritual war. Verse 66 
While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said, said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the, roast, the rooster crowed, the rooster crowed, excuse me, the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. See, with each accusation, as we read, you know, Peter is trying to melt his way back into the crowd. And he actually may have pulled it off were it not for the fact of his Galilean accent. This would be like somebody with a strong Boston accent. You know what I'm talking about by that? Boston accent. You know, yelling out in the middle of, of a group of good old southern boys like myself. <laughs> Dead giveaway. You're a Galilean. Yes, you were one of those. Peter was engaged in a level of spiritual warfare that he was completely unprepared to handle or deal with. Jesus had actually warned him about this. In Luke's account of this event, of the time when he predicts Peter's denial, Jesus adds in the book of Luke, verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But it's as though Jesus warning you, you know, went in one ear and out the other. In spite of this very specific warning, Peter greatly underestimated his enemy, the devil. It's so important to remember at any time, especially during the time of crisis that we're in currently. Satan is not a benign cartoon character, you know, wearing a red suit and horns and carrying a pitchfork. He is very real. And very frankly, he hates you. He hates God. He wants to do anything he can to take glory away from God. He is a vicious, a vicious enemy. He wants to sift you like wheat, just like he did Peter. His goal is to get you to, to set your relationship with Christ on a shelf and forget about it. But not only that, he wants to set you on a shelf as well. Please know that he will seek to attack you at your most vulnerable points, which may be points of your greatest weakness, points of your greatest hurts or fears or frustrations or anxieties, any and every way that he can think of. But if you will stay close to Christ, if you will stay close, if you will not distance yourself from him, not distance yourself from God's people, Jesus will warn you. He will prompt you. He will let you know, and he will guard you and lead you through it. 
There's a wonderful promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 that reads, But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't, so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. As Jesus promised, he prayed for Peter, and Peter did indeed come back to strengthen his brothers. And not just his brothers, but the entire church, right? Became one of the, the pillars of the brand new church in the book of Acts. Peter severely underestimated the enemy that night. But boy, did he learn his lesson well. It's so fun looking at his writings in First and Second Peter and realizing what he's reflecting back on in different parts of his life and that time he spent with Christ. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. We know that our brothers and sisters throughout the world today are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And in many, many places, so, so much more. So much more than just the virus. Well, our little dissection is complete. But just one final observation. Failure was not the last word in Peter's life, was it? It was not the last word in Peter's life. And my friends, neither is it the last word in your life as well. The life in Christ is the life of beginning again each and every day. As the old saying go, this is the first day of the rest of your life. This is the first day of the rest of your life in Christ. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, I, I pray in, in this moment that if there is anyone here in this room this morning, anyone that may be listening in today who is overwhelmed with a recent failure in their life or maybe some failure long ago that they still have never quite recovered from, that they would know and experience your love and your grace reaching deep within their hearts and lifting them out of that that they might know that you are ready to set them on, on a new path of living for you, a new path of making a difference in this world for Christ. So lift them up today. Father, I pray that each and every heart here this morning will be encouraged by your word, that we might remain totally vigilant during such a time as this, totally vigilant, depending completely upon you, 
watching and praying, being aware of our enemy, and ready to serve all those in need around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're about to stand and sing what we call our, our song of invitation this morning. And, and as we do, uh, let me invite you, or this really is the invitation of God's Spirit. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, let this be the day of your salvation. That's where that new life in Christ truly begins, is in coming to know Him. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your love for us, for a Savior who holds us fast and secure and forever and ever. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated for just a moment. Uh, once again, we are not taking up an, an offering this morning, collecting an offering. You feel free to, to put your offering in the plates that you'll see up on the platform and, and at the exits this morning. Uh, we uh, so much appreciate your faithfulness in, in giving through this time.